0: lord that we that we um, can start fresh maybe today for some of us lord so we just give this day to you in your name we pray amen, amen. so today we're going to talk about one of those big words it's got a lot of syllables in it It's kind of a big word, and with it, there's lots of other big words that we can use to go along with it. I'm going to try to break those words down into smaller words, but this word is repentance. Repentance is, it's a word that a lot of us have heard. If I asked you what that word meant, you probably, I would, I would get a lot of different answers. I'd get a lot of different answers based on where you are in your life, maybe where you are if you know Jesus or don't know Jesus, if you, depending on even your education background, depending on on how much you've studied this word or what you you know about this word, because there's a lot in this word. Now, one thing that I think a lot of us would say is that repentance is this forgiveness of your sins. So if we look at Luke 24, 46 through 47, it says he told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer... And rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. So it, that's something we all accept. We all see, but that someone might add a little bit more to this. Well, there was—I remember hearing some about repentance being that, that God doesn't want anybody to perish. In fact, this is a verse we looked at a few weeks ago, Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So repentance has something to do with forgiveness of sins, has something to do with perishing. So you probably have a lot of questions that repenting, repentance, so what am I repenting from? Talks about sins. So what sins are we talking about? Well, what about someone else's sins? What about when someone sins against me? Now these are all really, really good questions. And this is Aiden's sermon series. So ask him. <laughs> questions that we're... I, I'm probably not going to answer all these questions today. Because it's, it's too big of a topic. It's too big. It's too broad. But these are questions that once we begin to understand this concept of repentance. That we'll be able to maybe even answer some of those questions ourselves. Or, or we'll be able to find those answers. So... We are going to deal with some of them right now. So let's look at some of them. Let's, let's look, what am I repenting from? There's, there's, let's look at the Bible for that. Let's look at Jeremiah 3, 12 through 13. There's lots of things that I could bring up, but this is the one I picked. It says, go proclaim this message toward the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever, only acknowledge your guilt you have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. So we read this. There's this rebellion against God. There's this Israel has decided to turn to other gods, turn to other things, other things in their lives other than God. Maybe it's possessions. Maybe it's other lands. Maybe it's foreign gods. Maybe in our lives it might be possessions too. It might be addictions. It might be money. There's all kinds of things that we turn to that we care more about really than God. All those things that we spend our time looking for. All those things that we, that we maybe are wanting maybe we begin to lust after them we begin to pursue them maybe we're watching them more than 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 we're reading our Bible. all kinds of things that we put above god that we're rebelling against god that last week we talked about serving we're missing opportunities to serve god because we're too focused on these other things jeremiah saying israel you have not obeyed god You've done. You've pursued what you've wanted to pursue. You've lived life according to to how you want to do it, according to your own rules, according to how you think you should live life. Now, I want to make this point, like you've been hearing me say, this is the nation Israel. We're talk- I, I keep using the word Israel. And when I say that, this is this corporate need to repentance. Corporate as in a whole body, as in a group of people that we repent as a body of believers, as a church. We're going to talk more on this later. But let's look at Romans 3, 23 through 24. Let's bring it down to more of a personal level. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we see this redemption. This redemption, it says, is coming from Jesus. However, we're all in this same condition. We're all sinners. We all need a Savior. We all are in need of redemption. The message of John the Baptist, if you remember reading several places in the Bible, it says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. I still haven't really answered this question of what is repentance. And the reason I haven't, because it's, a hard, it's really it's hard to answer. But let's look at, let's look at it and it break it down into some, some steps, some certain pieces of it. So let's look at the story of David in, in Bathsheba. This is in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. I'm not going to read the whole, both chapters. I'm just going to summarize it. So David, in the middle of the night, goes up to the balcony on his palace and he obviously knows that Bathsheba is his next-door neighbor because why would he go to the palace in the middle of the night? At least there's some questions for me there. But he goes up there, sees Bathsheba's bathing. Now, in modern times, we have some words for that. He's peeping Tom or he's a pervert. And there's other words, too, that I'm not going to use them because those are trigger words for people, so I'm not going to use them. But this is not appropriate behavior. So I say this point, now David's a sinner. It says in the Bible that David is a man after God's own heart, but David is a sinner, just like you and I. David sins for this woman to be brought to him. David sleeps with this woman. David commits adultery. Bathsheba becomes pregnant. David's got a problem on his hand now. So now, through a series of events, he has her husband killed. He murders her, his husband, her husband. Takes Bathsheba to be his wife this child is born David thinks he's covered up everything he's he's made it free he's he, he appears to be getting away with it this is not a pleasant story to me this is a story that that is disturbing there's a lot of things wrong with this story but god still used david so here's what happens next nathan this prophet comes to david and he tells him this story about this wealthy 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 man that probably has thousands and thousands of goats and sheep and cattle and all kinds of things but yet there's this very poor poor man that has one lamb it's like his child almost and in in this rich man has a bunch of guests come and instead of taking one of his own he takes from this poor man the only thing this man has he takes from him slaughters that lamb to feed his guests david's mad he goes, that's not right. This man, who is this man? This man's got to die. Nathan says, David, that man's you. What you did to Uriah and Bathsheba, that's what you did. That, that defied God's word. You didn't obey God's word. And what that was, that is, David, that was evil. So Nathan tells David, you know what? There's going to be some consequences. Some things are going to happen, happen in your household. And these are the words that David says. 2 Samuel 12, verse 13 says, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And then Nathan in the next verse says, Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord. The son born to you will die. So what do we see in these verses? What do we see happening here? I think the first thing we see is we see confession. We see confession. David's confessing. He's saying, when he says, Lord, I've sinned against you. He's confessing that he's sinned. He's confessing that he's, he hasn't obeyed God. He's rebelled against God. That he had these lustful desires and he acted on, on them and he did what he wanted to do. He's recognizing this sin. He's confessing it to Nathan, but really he's confessing it to God that, God, I've sinned. That's the first step of repentance, this acknowledgement that we recognize our sin. We're not pointing the finger saying somebody else's sin necessarily. We're not pointing the finger. Our sin, that we're willing to admit that sin and we're seeking repentance. The next step is forgiveness. Nathan Nathan says, the Lord has taken away your sin. David says he's not going to die. Forgiveness that's given by God. This is forgiveness that that, God gave it to him. It's not us giving this forgiveness. It's us receiving this forgiveness from God. This process of we're acknowledging our sins. We're confessing our sins. We're seeking forgiveness that God graciously gives us. This is part of this word repentance. Now let's look at some verses out of the New Testament let's look at what it says about repentance and and forgiveness of our sins Mark 1 4 and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance and here it is for the forgiveness of sins John the Baptist is saying you need this repentance you need repentance of your sins to repent receive this forgiveness now let's look at Acts 3 19 says repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. There's something about this word repent. In this case, this is, this is a verb. Repent, in this is used as a verb. I don't a lot of times bring the Greek in here, because it kind of gets confusing, and a lot of people go, I really don't care anyway, because I'm not Greek. But there's something about this, because Greek language is a lot more complex than our English language. This word repent, this is a command. This isn't an option. They're saying, no, you are to repent. This is a command. You're being commanded to repent. And there's something else about this, this verb. When we repent and turn to God, it's not saying this is something that's going to happen in the future. This ability to repent is already, already been given to us. We can repent because Jesus' death on the cross gave us that ability to repent for the forgiveness of our sins this disobedience it's waiting there for us this forgiveness of our sins is waiting for us to receive we're waiting for us to receive it because it's already taken place but it needs us to repent Jesus is already taking care of that on the cross now there's something else in this verse we're going to move on from the grammar lesson but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but did you notice it says your sins are wiped out? We repent, and God doesn't hold that against us. It also says we're refreshed. There is a refreshing that comes from us from God. Now, one of the greatest movies ever made, The Sandlot, if you guys remember that movie. Don't laugh, Chris. That is a great movie. Remember when when he goes home and, and they need a baseball to play with? And he grabs his son, his dad's Babe Ruth ball, brings it back, hits a home run, goes in the yard of the beast, which is the beast is this junkyard dog. Like it's supposed to. I mean, it's fictional, but it's supposed. To, so it rolls under where the beast lives. So they go through trying to get this ball and all this stuff, and and well. They finally end up through circumstances. They get the ball, but they meet the, the guy that owns the beast, the, the guy, and they find out he's a really a cool guy. And Through this whole thing, and so the kid at the end, he, but he's feeling this pressure. He's feeling this weight of like, man, this is my dad's prize ball, and I lost it. Finally, he goes and meets this. He gets the dad back his Babe Ruth ball, which is all chewed up and mangled and slobber all over it, but then he hands him another ball that's signed by the entire team that's even more valuable and more precious. That weight is just lifted off of him. I imagine that's what it means. That's what we're talking about by being refreshed. That we're refreshed. That all that weight that I'm carrying around is gone. But this is where this word repent, I think, gets a little tricky. I'm going to try to explain it in terms that we understand. But repentance in a lot of circles is viewed as this time in your life, I come to repentance. I come to repentance that I accept what Jesus is giving me. I confess my sins. I say, I can't do this life anymore by myself. I repent of my disobedience from God, and I decide to follow Jesus. I decide to turn back to God. I decide to follow God. We confess our sins. We have them forgiven, and we have our relationship with God restored. Some of us one word that could maybe be used to this is salvation. That we, there's other words that people use that, that are also bigger words, and, and we're not really going to get into that. But repentance, in some form of way, ways of looking at this word, is that it's an event in our life. We come to repentance. We receive this salvation. We receive this gift from God. However, there's a problem. Some of us in this room have repented. We've received this one time. Did you stop sinning? Or did you ever sin again? Yeah, we, we, we all did. We all did. We continue to, to sin. I, I might sin a second later after I just repented of some. I might do the same thing just right immediately away. That's where this word is difficult because we repent, we receive salvation, but we continue to sin against God. So, this brings us to this last part of this word, repentance. Last part is simply change. Repentance requires a change, a change in us. For those of you that that don't believe in Jesus, this idea of repentance that if you make this decision, you put your faith in Jesus. There's this initial change. For those of us that have already done this, we've probably seen this. There's this change. And you'll hear words like redeemed, salvation, born again, justification. These are all big, big words. I don't ask you to to know them all. I'm just saying these are words that you're going to hear that kind of describe this, this event in your life. Now, in the Hebrew word of this word repentance, it means to turn. To turn. Or as some of the prophets would describe, is the nation of Israel, they need to return to God. To turn to God. Returning to God. Turn from their idols. Turn from their their destructive lives and return to God. In the Greek, this word has a similar meaning. It's a little bit different. It's a change of mind. Our thinking is changed. The way we see God changes. The way we act changes. We turn from our previous way of life. We change into one that follows Jesus, resulting in this new way of life. One that puts our faith in Jesus. We confess our sins. We receive forgiveness. And we see our life change by returning to God. But we're still in this reality that we still sin. I still do some things over and over again. I still still do this. I have repentance. I have this repentance that I talked about, that I received salvation. I received this gift from God, but I still do these old things in my life. Well, we do some of that because, well, one, God gave us free will. God gave us wills to think for ourselves, to do things, also to rebel against him. And this is why there's this big fancy word called sanctification. Again, I'm not asking you to know it. Sanctification, to put it kind of in simple terms, is this is the process of when we receive, we say yes to Jesus. It's this process of what they might say becoming holy. This process of seeing this change in our life. This process of seeing us move from here to here. Beginning this walk with Jesus. And what this is, this explains our need for this discipline of repentance. This discipline of where we come and we confess our sins. We receive this forgiveness of our sins. We have this renewing of our mind. We have this, well, change. We see change. Romans 12.2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is part of this. This repents. You start to see change by having our minds renew. We see our minds renewed. We see them change by having this discipline, this spiritual discipline of confessing our sins, having forgiveness, renewing our minds, our lives, and it leads to change. Now, there's another verse, Matthew 4, 17. It's really similar to ones we've looked before, but I want to show you a little difference. We're going to have another grammar lesson in this. Now, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's called his disciples, and he starts preaching the gospel. He starts preaching this good news of the God. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Again, real similar, like I said, we've looked at this verse, almost the same words. Again, it's a command. This is a verb. It's a command. We are commanded to do this. It's not an option. Jesus is saying, nope, you guys don't. You have to do this. You need to do this. You're supposed to repent. You're supposed to confess your sins. You're supposed to receive forgiveness. You're supposed to change. Turn back towards God. However, this verb, a little different now, because in the Greek, this verb says this is an ongoing thing that happens. This is ongoing that we continue to repent. That we, as a corporate group, you, as this Jewish population, you, as these Israelites, you, as This church at Hope Center, we are to repent. Corporate. And we individually, we are commanded to repent. Practice repentance. Repentance as a discipline. Why? Because we continue to sin. Because of this free will I mentioned about. There's only been one perfect person in this world ever on the face of this earth. It's not you guys, and it's not me. We know who that is, right? It's Jesus. So what does that look like in our lives? Well, I mentioned this, I think, a little bit ago, a couple of weeks ago, about how I had a guy pray for me, and he prayed for me. He says, you've got to do what love requires you to do. Thought about that for a while, prayed about it. It didn't really turn out the way I was thinking it, except I got something else out of this. I said, love requires you to forgive. So I, I was practicing one of the future disciplines that Aiden's going to talk about, and that's what it says. It, 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 it requires you to forgive. Now, I, I've got a PhD in grudge holding. Some of you guys have that, have that a PhD also. I'm really, really good at it. Like, I probably have postgraduate, post-postgraduate. But there was one morning, I sat down and I just confessed every every grudge I had against everybody seeking this forgiveness receiving this forgiveness starting with my mom went through the whole list some tears later I confess there was some change there was some change in me I've gone years decades with saying God forgive me for this and you know confessing my sins maybe but I never really experienced the change. I'll say I, I experienced the change. That edge, that anger, that control that that had over my life is gone. I experienced this change, but this change required me to repent, required repentance out of me, and that's how the change happened. It only took me decades, like I said, for that to happen, but it happened. That's our daily need for repentance when we fail, when we sin, this continuous nature of needing repentance, yes, there's that initial repentance of salvation, but then there's this event of change in our lives, and and we others see this change when we receive this salvation, but this repentance that I'm talking about is a daily thing that we need to bring to God, our sins. Our lives, those things that we continue to do, to receive this forgiveness, and we're saying, God, I'm going to turn back to you. I'm going to, I'm going to see this change in my life, and we see this change in my life. This is that individual repentance, but I want to spend some time with corporate repentance now. Kind of repentance that the prophets were speaking about, this nation of Israel, this corporate repentance that we need to consider. Looking at this world we live in right now. I just got done reading this book. It's called The Cross and the Lynching Tree. It's by James Cone. I don't know if anybody's ever heard it. Some of you might know who he is. But he's a person that grew up in the civil rights movement. Grew up in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. Saw all, witnessed horrific events. He, he wrote lots of books. He's actually what they, they, one of the theologies is black theology. He's, he's one of the, the writers of that. Of, of this theology. I actually couldn't put this book down. I read it in like two days because I'm looking at this and I'm going, this is the world we live in. This is, there's lots of wrongs. There's lots of wrongs that have been done in the past and there's lots of wrongs that are still going on. Lots of wrongs that are really going on because of race. Many of these wrongs are also, they have been and are still being led or considered to be led or, or contributed to the church, people in the church. There's been progress. But we still see some things happening over and over again. So what does this have to do with repentance? Why do I want to talk about that? Because we, I think, as a corporate body, I'm not just saying Hope Center, I'm saying as a nation, we need to seek repentance. One that that point. One point that Cohn makes in this book is he says, you, you, you need to not forget your past. Because he, 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 right now there is a trend to erase history. We just write that out of the book. We tear things down. We don't, we don't, we don't want to have that anymore because we're trying to make it go away. But he's saying no. An example he, one example he uses is the Nazis and Holocaust, the Holocaust. He goes, no, Germans need to remember that. He goes, Germans, you need to have that in part of your your history because it is to help you remember he uses examples of us in america i'm not going to say those examples because they were they were devastating to read and i'm not going to say them because they're so graphic but as i'm reading this and i'm preparing for today this subject of repentance i just felt like we need in america we need to seek repentance i spoke with a friend yesterday i prayed for israel earlier but this guy used to live in israel he still works in israel Told me some inside information you're not going to read in the news. There's a need for corporate repentance in Israel right now. Both sides. Regardless of who you, which side you want to, want there's a need for repentance. Repentance in this true sense of the word. Repentance where we see confession. That we confess our sins. We confess our wrongs. We, we don't justify them. We don't try to explain them. We just simply confess them and say, I was wrong this is wrong. This is wrong because this is ultimately, this rebels against God. Corporately, together as a body, we confess this as a rebellion against God. And forgiveness. We seek forgiveness. We need this forgiveness. Forgiveness individually, forgiveness corporately, And we receive this forgiveness. And we give forgiveness. And we receive this healing that comes from this forgiveness. We feel this, have this weight lifted up. We're restored. We're refreshed. As this body united in Jesus. As this body seeing God wiping out those sins. And we are refreshed. God's no longer going to hold those sins against us. And we shouldn't either. That might be the hardest part of this is this forgiveness. And we change. We don't say continue as is. We change. We need true repentance. It requires a change. We see change. We demand that change because repentance requires that. Repentance requires a change. In order for repentance to happen, there has to be a change. So a call to repentance Repentance that sees confessions of these wrongs, forgiveness, and change. A change, and we're returning to God. We turn back to God. Because that's the hope we have. This hope that that's what repentance brings. It brings a hope. A hope that we can see change. That's what James Cohen was writing about, this hope of this lynching tree. This hope that what he saw, there was still a hope in Jesus now, I want to do now is where I want to practice is repentance. I'm going to give us some time to practice that, individually and corporately. So I've asked Alex to come up here, Aiden, and we have a special guest, Josh. If you guys remember Josh. There's a reason why I've asked these four people in particular, because we represent a multiple, multiple races to pray. So we're going to pray. First, each of us is going to pray for corporate repentance. And then I'm going to give us some time of silence so that we can, we can have some individual repentance. And then I'll just end. And that's going to be the end of the service today. But I hope that we can go forward today and we can start with repentance right here at 425 South Broadway at Hope Center that there's some repentance for this entire nation can begin just right here. So I'm going to start, and then if you guys just want to come up individually and just, just pray. Lord, I just pray, that Lord, I confess all the sins that have happened throughout history, Lord. I bring them I bring them to your feet. Lord, I bring them to you. Not just me individually, Lord, but, but me as an entire nation. Me as an entire European people coming over to America and the atrocities that have happened, Lord. Some of them have been in your name. Lord, and those are wrong. So, Lord, I, I bring those to you. Right now, I, I confess those to all to you. And, Lord, I seek forgiveness. Lord, I pray for forgiveness to happen amongst everybody, amongst this entire nation, amongst this entire world, Lord, that this, this forgiveness can happen, Lord, and we can see change. Lord, that we begin to see change, that <clears throat> this changes. as we return to you. We as a nation return to s- seeking God. We as a nation return to following you, that we as a nation become... A nation that loves and pursues you. A nation that is, 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 just follows you, that believes in God. Lord, I just pray that, as I said, this is a beginning. This is just a beginning of us as a body, but also individually. Lord, for for true repentance to happen, Lord, I pray that as we go forward today, that we we begin to see those change. That we see those changes, and Lord, that that we maybe remember. Today was the day that this began, and that those changes that we become united. Lord, that 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 this repentance Lord happens on individually, Lord, but also as as corporately, Lord, as all of us, Lord. So, Lord, I just I just leave this entire body in Your hands, Lord, and I I, I we just humbly come before You, Lord. And Lord, let us all just return to you. In Jesus' name, amen.